0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says, Being born again, I hope that's you tonight, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth for ever. The word of God lives and abides. Abiding is lasting forever. Uh, Jesus Christ is the word of God. And then you have the word of God as the scriptures. You can take it either way. It lives and abides forever. You couldn't show me proof that could be scientifically proven through through tested evidence that you have been re- that your soul has been regenerated you couldn't show the world this if you went down to the college campus and started witnessing to those students and they said well show me that incorruptible seed you couldn't show them the incorruptible seed But you believe that verse by faith. Is is that right? If you've been born again, you believe that. Yet you can't scientifically prove it through testing in a laboratory. You believe it by faith. We have a faith-based relationship with the Lord. And that seed, you might be able to prove the seed of Abraham, a physical lineage. We can do that. But we can't, we can't, we can't see an incorruptible seed. Uh, get Isaiah chapter number forty. We'll see the same thing there. Isaiah chapter number forty. We start reading at verse number six. The voice said, "Cry!" And he said, "What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the godliness thereof." Is as the flower of the field The grass withereth The flower fadeth, Because the spirit of the Lord Bloweth upon it Surely the people Is grass You know what you do During the summer and the spring You cut your lawn It's going to come up You're going to cut it It's going to die It's going to grow back uh, After the long cold winter Flowers they fade away We are going to fl- fade away but you know what doesn't? The next verse, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I'm telling you, there has been an attack on the word of God since people could imagine the thought of attacking the word of God. It happened back in the garden. Yeah, God said, just get people to doubt God's word. People today they say that the Bible is the Word of God. They'll say that the Bible is an They'll say that the Bible is their final authority. They'll say that they believe God's promise to preserve it, yet they can't put they cannot point to a book on this planet that they would say is infallible. Their doctrinal statement says one thing, but their practice of their faith demonstrates another. If you believe that God preserved it, where is it? And they can't point to a way they can't show you. All they know All they know to say is, they know a few things to say. One thing that they know to say is, it's just a myth. The, the word of God just couldn't be in the King James Bible. The King James Bible, all that's just a myth. You, you can't trust that book. It's just a translation. Have you heard that before? If you haven't, you will. Here's how they attack it. Can you show me? Okay, John 17, 17. What does it say? Thy word is true. You see, it doesn't say the King James Bible is truth. It says thy word is true. And you King James Bible believers, you can't point to one verse in the Bible that says that the King James Bible is the word of God. Have you ever heard that one? And if you haven't, you will. It doesn't say the King James Bible is true. It doesn't. Which is why they ask that question. They want to interrogate you. They want to trap you. Go back to First Peter, and I want to show you the same that we looked at. In verse number 24, 1 Peter chapter 1. For all flesh is as grass, verse 24. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass, the grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. If the word of the Lord endureth forever, and you can't show it to me anywhere except these supposed originals, which none of them exist and nobody can point to any of them or have you hold them in, their hand, in your hand, where is it? got to be somewhere but the word of the Lord endureth forever and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you it's a living word God promised that he would preserve it and I believe his promise and I want to put that promise into practice so we're going to look at a few verses tonight number one we'll look at a few questions that are asked and then we'll look at some verses as well. Where was the Bible before 1611? Let me ask you this. Where was the Bible before 96 AD? Because the book of Revelation was completed in 96 AD. Where was the Bible before that? I guess you wouldn't have had one. Uh, John, he wrote John, John 1, John 2, John 3 in 90 AD. So where was the Bible before 90 AD? Paul's writings. Paul's writings are dated from 54 to 66 AD. Where was the word of God before Paul's writings? Acts dated from 41 to 63 AD was the word of God before 41 AD? Luke dated 63 AD. Where was the word of God then? Before that date, Mark 57 AD, Matthew 37 AD. You can just keep going back. What's the answer? God was compiling it. God was compiling his word. In Acts chapter two, how many souls were saved? You had 3,000 souls saved in Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2 was dated about 41 AD. How many souls did you have saved in Acts chapter 4? It was 5,000 souls. And you didn't have a completed Bible. How in the world are you going to have people get saved if you don't have a completed Bible? I think Acts actually dates earlier. I think Acts 2 goes back to 33 AD. Acts chapter 10. Let's turn there. Acts chapter 10. Let's look at that one. Read that. Acts chapter 10. Look at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. And verse 36, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ he is Lord of all. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, look at verse number uh, uh, 39 at the end. Whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Verse 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. This is public preaching by Peter. Acts chapter 10 is dated to be written in 41 A.D. The only New Testament writing that you have would be the book of Matthew that was dated at 37 A.D. But you've got public preaching, you've got people coming to Christ, And the only thing that Peter has to turn to is the book of Matthew. And I don't see him quoting the book of Matthew. Where's the Bible? God's compiling. He's compiling his written word. You had all through the book of Acts, people coming to Christ, people getting saved, people going out and preaching the word, and you did not have a completed New Testament. Now, that's interesting, especially when someone asked, well, where was the Bible before 1611? God was compiling it. That's what he was doing. By the time we get to Acts 11, it's dated at 42 A.D., and you know what? Uh, In Antioch, they're first called Christians in Antioch. And they've got no New Testament. The only thing they have written. In written form. In written form is the book of Matthew. That's the only thing that's been compiled. Now how do you explain that? The word of God abideth forever. He's compiling. That's what he's doing. So this idea. That people want to ask you. To kind of get you to doubt. That God is. Preserved his word and to get you To move from the King James Bible It's all based on Looking at men Not looking at what God said He would do in his word Looking at I've got to have hard concrete evidence Yet you don't need hard Concrete evidence to be saved You have a salvation by faith And you couldn't show anybody You couldn't prove to anybody Your soul's been regenerated Now you might live a certain way And they can see some fruit that way But you can't show anybody incorruptible seed Come on Where was the Bible before 96 AD? Because it wasn't putting all Everything was not compiled together Written form until then It was being assembled Someone asked you where the Bible was before 1611. Ask him where was the Bible before 1881 with the Revised Version. Where was the Bible before 1901 when the American Standard Version came out? Where was the Where was the Bible before 1952 when the Revised Standard Version came out? Where was the Bible before 1964 when the NASV came out? Where was the Bible before 1973 when the NIV came out? Where was the Bible before 1982 when the New King James Version came out? Where was the Bible between before 1994 when the ESV came out? Come on, you ain't asking that question. Where was the Bible before 1611? Because you want to know. You're asking that question because you don't want anybody saying to you that you've got a Bible that's got errors in it. You don't want to have a book to point to that is the authority. So let me ask you this. Where was the Bible after 1611? Because it was... You don't have nothing in 1611, and that'll be qualified in other messages. You can't preach and teach everything in one message. But we'll talk about the different editions, and we'll talk about how all that came about. But, so you're telling me it didn't happen till 1881? Well, no, I read the New King James. Okay, so the Bible wasn't compiled until 1984. Well, no, I'm really with the NIV. Okay, so in the 70s, God finally... We have a relationship with Christ because by faith, we believed in his blood and what he did on the cross of Calvary. You believe by faith that you're going to fly through the air at the sound of a trumpet. Try proving that to somebody. Why is everything by faith until you come to, well, you know, God could preserve his word like he said he would, and he could put it in a book. And he could put it in English, and we could read it and understand it. Nah, I can't believe that. But you believe you can fly through the air at the sound of a trumpet. Yeah. You just don't want to believe that promise of God. You'd rather have modern scholarship replace God's promise. God could have printed a Bible anytime he wanted to. But you know what he chose? Men. He chose sinful men. He chose corruptible men. He chose men that made a lot of mistakes in their life. Hmm. Kind of like you and I, when he chooses us to go out and preach the gospel, you don't think God can just save everybody if he wanted. He's God. He can do as he wills. And you know what he asked us to do? He said, look, I saved you. I put you in my body. Now I am going to equip you as ambassadors for me. Now go out and preach the gospel. Me, Lord? You know what I've done in my life? You know what they could say about me? And what are you going to go out and tell somebody? Well, you really can't be saved because I am the man and I'm telling you these words and my life has been a bad. No. You're going to tell them your testimony of how God regenerated you. We asked people to put their faith in Jesus Christ. You do not compel those people to put their faith in you. Or nobody's getting saved. We're not asking people to put their faith in a translator. We're asking people to put their faith in God's promise to preserve. His word This modern scholarship Only movement they've never Believed that a copy Could be an error They have never believed that Ever one time in their life They just don't believe that They don't teach that They do not believe that copies Can be an error They will always Say terms like In the original autographs Yet If you haven't listened to the message, no originals, no problem, listen to that message that we did uh, a year or so ago. There are no originals in existence. Moses, tables of stone, broken, not a problem for God. You would need 66 original manuscripts and we don't have them. We don't have 66 original manuscripts We have copies of copies of copies of copies And if you put your trust in a scribe You put your trust in a translator You're sunk The same way when you go out and preach the gospel And you ask them to put their faith and trust in You or me or Paul or Peter or whoever They're not going to get saved You might have had a perfect book back then But now all you have is a translation and about the only thing you're allowed to say is, well, I just prefer the King James Bible. And if there's any group that needs to be warned about, it's those King James Bible believers. If we can know anything for sure, we know that camp's wrong. Everybody else is right But we we know for sure That there's one camp out there That we've got to warn the whole world about You know the crazy group That just believes unity (laughs) Why don't we just unite around one book Well no we can't do that why Because that would be the authority I do not buy into the scholarship only movement And one iota You're allowed to say It's a great a beautiful uh, Well written Uh, piece of historic literature as a translation you're allowed to say it's just one translation of many but you by no means are allowed to say that the King James Bible is the word of God welcome to the scholarship only movement it has infiltrated just about every church in the United States of America and they would argue and say it's arrogant to say That you can hold the word of God in your hand. But it isn't arrogant. For them to say. For them to read the Bible and then say. Well I think a better translation would be. I think the rendering of this phrase. Should be because of. That's not arrogant. As if. You saying that is. Somehow. Inerrant somehow inspired by god god just inspired you to have to I just don't buy it I just don't buy it Why don't we look at what the bible says about translations How about we look at three passages of scripture and let's see if a copy let's see if a translation Can be Well, let's see what it ends up being colossians chapter one Colossians chapter number 1. Get verse number 12. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Why do we go out and witness to the lost? Because their original form... (laughs) Them as an original manuscript Will be better off If they get translated (laughs) Translated into what What did we just read Into the kingdom of his dear son And I'm just telling you That's why the Bible says You have got to be born again Because your original state Is sin Your original state is corruption And you need to be born of an Incorruptible seed And that's the word of God the Lord Jesus Christ We witness because people will be better off translated into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am better off saved. So are you. And it happens after I've been translated. When someone tells you it's just a translation And it can't be better than the originals It might be a good thought in their mind And they might have good intentions But they have been duped Because the Bible clearly teaches That when we are saved We are translated And we are actually better Because of it the translation of me when I got saved and the translation of you when you got saved is better than the original. It's superior. Go back to the Old Testament of Second Samuel. There's another example of this word being used. I trust that we got some clear context in Colossians about our salvation. And us being better off. Second Samuel chapter number 3. Oh, a lot of names, a lot of this and that, and trying to get all that straight. We're not going to do that tonight. But we are going to understand one simple truth. In 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 9, the Bible says... So do God to Abner and more also, except as the Lord hath sworn to David, even so I do to him to translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan, even to Beersheba. You know what God said here? When the kingdom is translated from under Saul's lineage over to David, it is better off. It's better off. We all know that. Saul's kingdom was not as good as David's kingdom. And the Holy Spirit of God decided to use the word translate the kingdom. So you know what you got in Colossians? You've got a soul that is made better after it is translated. You know what you got in the Old Testament? You've got a kingdom that is made better after it's been translated. The translation is better. Well, we just believe the original autographs. Well, that's funny. None of them exist. You know what else is funny? You'll read things. Most of the Bible academies that are out there, when you go there, they will teach you that there are no originals. But when those preachers come out of those academies, they're writing doctrinal statements that say things like, we believe the Bible as far as, as, far as it is written in the original languages. Or we believe what the originals say. Well, how are you going to believe what the originals say? You never read them. You never saw them one time in your life. And somehow you have faith to believe in the originals. And you've never laid your eyes on them ever. And you never will. They have faith to believe that, but they don't have faith to believe that God could preserve his word through a copy, through a copy, through a copy, through a copy, through gathering and through compiling and using men that are sinful and make mistakes, and have a history that's bad and preserve his word. It seems like it should be the other way around, but it's not. And to me, we put our faith and trust in a lot of things. You try to prove to somebody that you just prayed over this situation for two years and then God finally did something, and people that aren't saved, they look at you like you are, you should be in the loony bin. Because you can't prove any of it because you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that is based on faith and trust in Him. Well, where is He? He's living within me. Here, do you want to see? And you couldn't do it. Modern scholars, the modern scholarship only movement is fine with that. They're just not fine when you take your faith and you place it in the promise that God said he would preserve his word. And he can do it in copies. God don't need originals. He doesn't say in John 17, 17, he says, thy word is truth. Well, it doesn't say the King James Bible is truth. Well, it doesn't say the originals are what he wants you to believe either. Matter of fact, it says quite the opposite. You have copies of copies of copies. Hebrews 11 is a great place to turn. We'll look at the last passage concerning translation. probably have some questions that have been popping up in your mind over the next couple of weeks, we'll be addressing them, you can't address everything in one night or everybody goes home with information overload. So we'll do it in bite-sized pieces. Hebrews 11, we all know that this is the by-faith chapter. You want the definition, everybody knows this, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. God said he would promise to preserve his word. You weren't there when he said it, you weren't there to see originals, you weren't, you've got no evidence. Now, I will tell you over the next upcoming weeks, we'll be looking at some historical evidence. But the big takeaway for tonight is this is a by faith belief. And it's not seen. That's the evidence, that is the definition of faith. Now, look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see. Death and Was not found because God Had translated him For Before his translation He had this testimony That he pleased God Enoch's walking on The earth Pleasing God As a godly man Amongst the sinful Men Sinner there's a sinner Enoch's walking, God translate him. Now it'd be cool to be on that scene. And he is better off. No more does he have to deal with the filth of this world and the sinful people of this world. He's been translated and he's better off. And I'm telling you, kingdoms are better off when they're in better hands than they've been translated. You, your soul, you as an individual, when you get saved, your original manuscript, it's better to get translated and get saved. We're down here with all these sinful people. I'm telling you, if that trump sounds tonight, we get translated. Hey, we're going to be better off, amen? I'm telling you, the translation defined in the Bible, we see three examples where it's better. It's better. It's better. Better off. Every single time. That word is used in the Bible every single time in the context. It's always an improvement. Well, the King James Bible is just a translation. Yep, it is. And it's better. It's better than the originals. Do you know why? Not because it's different. If the original manuscripts were to show up and you would compare them to what we have now in English, they would match. It's the same thing. Do you know why it's better? You know why it's better? Turn to the book of Ezekiel. Oh, look. There's a chapter. Or there's a a book, a heading there. Go to chapter number two. Wow, they have numbers. I can work with it. You can work with it be much better than just having a page a minuscule manuscript It's just all lowercase levels all scrunched together. We're going to be here a long time (laughs) We're going to be here a real long time trying to work through that thing You got something it's better The translation is better because you have something that God had worked through sinful men to compile without any trust, or no trust whatsoever in any of these men, but just in God's promise to preserve. And it is not just one translation among many. How many of you, well, I know one of you are building or redoing a house. We we build a house. Now, if you build a house, you say one of two things. If you're like me, you say, oh, God, please, I don't ever want to do this again. <laughs> But, but if you're a builder and you actually have some intelligence on those things, you know what you say, you know what the men say after they're done, you know, I would have done this one different next time. I would have done this different next time. I would have framed this door a little bit different. And when you got a chance to do it again, past the original, your original work, you look at it and say, ah, not so good. You would redo it. And. It's not so with God. God preserved his originals copy after copy after copy. No matter how many Bibles were burned, no matter how many Christians were burned, God said he would preserve his word. And I just believe it. I just believe it by faith and by some of the scriptural evidence, and by some of the historical evidence that we'll be looking through in the upcoming weeks. We believe that the God that inspired the original writings is powerful enough and capable enough and is faithful enough to keep his promise to preserve it throughout all ages. Copy is just as good It's better in the sense, not because it's different, but because we can work with it. God did not fail in his attempt to keep the originals because he never planned to keep the originals. You think idolatry is bad nowadays? Imagine if you put the original writings on eBay. (laughs) You would have people venerating and worshiping. It would be a hot mess. You know what God did He just We're not having any originals Go back Listen to no originals no problem I, We'll talk about the original writings A little bit more in depth But he didn't preserve Any of the originals uh, Let's look at one more verse And then we'll close I hope you're getting something out of this introductory message Concerning the King James Bible issues We'll be addressing a lot of them Over the upcoming weeks but let's close tonight in Acts chapter 9. I want to show you something that I think you'll like. Acts chapter number 9. I'm going to show you why we need to have the King James Bible. And I'm going to show you why we are not mean, hateful, believing in a myth, somehow need to be felt sorry for or or. We just need to pray for those poor King James only. All of that is a bunch of fooey. It all has to do with the scholarship only movement that will, they cannot stand someone correcting them. That's what it comes down to. Authority. Church member comes to their pastor in private and they try to talk about this. It, do, it usually doesn't go well. Why? Because that man of God just will not allow the Bible to correct him. And they have been taught this in seminary. And academies. And Bible schools. Just remember one thing, preacher boys. Stay away from those King James Bible believers. Because that whole thing's a myth. That's what they're taught. That's what they're taught. And you can go in the library and you can find books on the other side of the, uh, of the argument, too. You know why? Because we don't hide books. We don't burn books. Because I'm not afraid of what the other side says or believes. I used to be on the other side. I know all their arguments. I've heard all their arguments. I used to believe all their arguments. You know what they're doing in academies and Bible schools and seminaries and all, and all the rest of the demonations? They're taking all of the authors and all of the books that talk about all of the textual stuff behind the King James Bible, all the stuff that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, and they take it right off the shelf. Because they don't want you reading it. They sure will rally around, you know, the mandates on the mask and the restrictions on social media. But they're fine with restricting people books that will defend this book. They want to restrict their people from getting a hold of preachers, authors, books, Bible schools, seminaries that teach and preach that God promised to preserve his word and we've got it in our hands. They do not want it. They do not want it. And you can try to greek tweak this thing as much as you want. I ain't moving from it. I got what the word of God says and I've got it in English and I speak English and I don't know a lick of Hebrew or Greek. So. Amen. And let's go to the passage. (laughs) Acts chapter nine. Enough of the rant. (laughs) Acts chapter nine. This is why this is important. Look at verse number six. Acts chapter nine. Well, uh, verse number five, uh, now, verse number four in Acts chapter nine, and he fell to the earth. This is Saul, and heard a voice saying unto him, "Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me?" Now we all know that this is uh, where Paul, Saul, gets converted, and you know Paul it, it goes on to be one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. Right? Everybody understands that. He's going to get saved. Okay. Now that's important because watch what verse five says. And he said, who are their Lord? He doesn't know who he's talking to. I want to read this again because this is very, very important that we understand this. He's journeying. He came near Damascus. Suddenly, there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He don't know what's going on, but he knows something's going on. And you know what you call someone that is, uh, well, a wife back then would call her husband what? Lord. Uh, Nowadays, we... Uh, You you, you hear Lord or Madame, uh, but nowadays you hear ma'am or sir, right? It's a way of respecting authority. It's a way of showing, uh, giving, well, there's something going on that's higher than me. That's the context of him saying in verse number five, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Well, now he knows him as the Lord. But in verse number five, does everybody see that he's not, he did not get saved in verse number five. He's just saying, Lord, like a wife would, Sarah would say, Lord. or. We get that, right? He did not get saved in verse number five. And he said, well, there, Lord, verse number five. Uh, and the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, verse number six. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So, what verse did Saul get saved in? Verse number five or verse number six? Verse number six. You have two uses of the word Lord there. In the context, he didn't know who it was until the Lord said, It's me. And then verse six, he calls on him as Lord not just The idea of an authority Oh sir what's going on here Not that lord he called on him As lord Why is that important It's important because you want To have a bible where Paul one of the greatest Men of god that ever lived You want to have a bible where it says He got saved (laughs) Right Because he didn't get saved in verse 5 He got saved in verse number six The ASV the ESV The NASB and the NIV You got those modern Bibles Where you have Paul Who never got saved Because verse six is Completely botched He never called on him Lord So people That want to say well you know the King James Bible is just a translation no You have a Bible that's just a translation That's wrong and that's one clear example of many that will show where you have got to have the right words in the right context, because you do not want to have a Bible where Paul isn't even saved. And we've got it right here in Acts nine in the King James Bible. The Bible says, Finally heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, Luke twenty one thirty three, my words shall not pass away.